A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I want to talk through some uh, complicated set of ideas um, and processes that occur within the heart of the Nazi movement um, from the late 20s to the um, early 1930s um, as far as uh, economic policy and economic strategy go. Um, the uh, Nazi movement is uh, marked out by economic um, confusion and incoherence throughout most of its existence, and there's far more ambiguity over um, ideological foundations of uh, economic policy uh, than one, one might imagine. So the Nazis came late to the idea of uh, coherent economics. Uh, Mussolini's corporatism, whilst being a sort of a a mishmash of um, socialist ideas and uh, nationalist um, autarkic uh, notions um, and uh, anti globalist tendencies where a country would be administered um, by an autocratic uh, figure uh, and the economy be managed uh, in a uh, nation within a sort of a notion of a national interest with uh, labor and capital being uh, held in place by um, a uh, overweening um, authoritarian figure and a bureaucracy. This was uh, quite a, a, an early, uh, cons- early version of uh, fascist economics and was uh, well established, obviously, long before uh, the Nazis had uh, anything remotely equivalent. And obviously, if you look at the other side of the ideological divide, if you look at the Soviet Union, um, economics was baked into the, um, the ideology of um, the Soviet Union, of well, 
Marxist-Leninism and was part of, an inherent part of, of the programme. Um, a Marxist interpretation of history was based around notions of, of, of economics uh, and ownership and um, the uh, socialist uh, version of what a, an economy would, would look like, or at least a Leninist version of, of that. And because Hitler's primary fixation with all things is uh, that of race... Economics comes as a kind of a, a secondary con- consideration. The um, 25 point programme that's put forward in 1920 was a, a, a classic kind of um, expression of the fears and anxieties of Germany's Mittelstande, the lower middle classes. They were a combination of uh, anti communist and also anti capitalist. Um, uh, views. Not that the uh, the Mittelstander were anti-capitalists innately, but these were small businessmen who were not opposed to private ownership in as much as they were opposed to the operation of market forces or the unleashing of uh, market forces in their uh, rawest, uh, their rawest form, um, and the destruction that these wreak upon Germany during the interwar years was a kind of a vindication of their, their antipathy towards these um, powerful and seemingly kind of unstoppable and yet sort of almost intangible forces. See, within this um, opposition to the rawest forms of, of, of capitalism and obviously to Soviet communism on either side is an ideological space within which fascism can operate. Um, a an economics based on race and identity and belonging is what Hitler proposes. Uh, obviously, he makes the case that these um, in big, powerful ideological forces, communism, capitalism, the thing they both have in common is they're both some sort of unpleasant Jewish trick designed to do in the ordinary, hard-working, salt-of-the-earth German, who um, in Hitler's eyes, I think, is a rather simple character who doesn't really understand um, what has happened to um, his world and how the simple life in which they lived before 1914 has been now devastated and torn apart by these kind of great global forces. In 1920, the 25-point programme expressed antipathy towards, um, and this is kind of a code for the Jews, um, people living on uh, investment income um, to uh, multinational or kind of uh, cartel capitalism. They expressed antipathy and uh, towards finance and the stock market, these, from the worldview of the, the not very educated uh, lower middle class Nazi, were uh, st- um, strange and foreign and alien concepts, um, things of uh, immensely, uh, an immensely arcane nature that in their suspicious mind must be inherently un-German and related to uh, some kind of cosmopolitan conspiracy. 
And the language that is expressed in the Nazis' original programme is speaking to the the small man, the, the, the small and anonymous individual who is swept along by these, these great forces and has, seemingly has little agency of their own. But it's not until 1932 that uh, it looks increasingly likely that the party might actually get into power. And so a, um, an economic policy um, needs to be devised that speaks to a whole range of people that had never been addressed by the Nazis before, i.e. Um, business leaders, economists, um, political insiders, and Germany's elites in essence. Because it's only when there is a significant movement to speak of that looks like it can uh, create a potential future government that German industrialists uh, and financiers pay much attention at all. And it's at this stage that they wonder whether there is something that they can perhaps influence and shape. And so it was at this point that Nazi economic policy begins to really be derived and drafted in in a kind of a a more serious manner. And the first major source of economic policy was a group of economists who were referred to as the Reformers. In the early 1930s, they put forward a programme that basically had two parts. The first suggested autarky, a campaign for self-sufficiency. And on top of that a uh, large economic area, the Großwirtschaftsraum, um, which would be uh, an area of uh, economic dominance, perhaps um, in Central Europe, um, the fabled, sort, long sought after Mitteleuropa, um, that could either be uh, militarily conquered or come under sort of political or, or economic dominance of Germany and then be placed behind a uh, tariff barrier and be um, uh, revolve around Germany as the economic hegemon. Now, these two uh, policies were not mutually uh, compatible particularly, as the the latter policy existed really because of a realisation that the former policy, that of autarky, was unachievable and unworkable. To understand autarky for the nonsense it is, uh, most European countries uh, by the early 19th century had sufficiently large populations that they needed to be fed by uh, not only colonies but also imports of grain from uh, Russia, uh, from parts of the Ottoman Empire and uh, from the eventually from the uh, Americas. By the 20th century, there isn't a single European country outside, perhaps, uh, the poorer countries of southern Europe that is anywhere close to being able to feed themselves because of their increasingly large populations. And therefore, autarky was an attempt to uh, remove Germany from the global economy and to really try to turn the clock back to an economic era that hadn't existed perhaps in Germany for over a century. But as with so many things to do with Nazism, the um, act is more propaganda than economics. It's more gesture and theatre than it is sensible and meaningful economic policy. 
The economic crisis after 1929 that saw a collapse of the international trading system created opportunities for autarkic arguments and also opportunities for uh, this kind of economic hegemony uh, within Europe. The normal rules of global trade had been turned on their heads by the Great Depression and there had been a collapse in the German economy. And so um, more long-termist and moderate ideas based around the notion of a, re a return to the workings of um, the global economic order, um, these are more easily uh, dumped by the wayside in favour of uh, radical notions such as autarky irrespective of whether or not they're actually workable. And autarky is mirrored by the revival of worldwide protectionism, uh, particularly from the United States, and the creation of the uh, imperial preference system uh, by uh, the British. The old economic order seemed to have gone into terminal decline, and instead uh, rival power blocks um, were emerging, the USA, uh, the British Empire, uh, a rising uh, Japan in the East, and a, a German um, Central European uh, economic hegemon seemed to be the uh, likely uh, alternative to particularly the rising power of the USA. Um, there were numerous examples during the First World War uh, in Germany of a very similar policy in, in motion from 1916 onwards. There was an immense um, pressure for German victories in the East to, bring, to deal a death blow to Russia, not just to knock Russia out of the war, but to knock Russia out of the war uh, in a particular manner to leave Russia with no alternative than to part with the breadbasket of Ukraine and the Baltic states. And this um, huge swathe of land from um, Berlin all the way to Kiev would create the resources necessary to rival America in either war or peace to present a kind of a counterweight to the rising um, uh, to rising American economic power. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think it was uh, Bismarck who said that uh, a, the one geographical and um, historical truth that is um, that makes that trumps everything else is the fact that Americans speak English and German politicians from Bismarck to Hitler have been acutely aware of this and acutely aware of the fact that a large English-speaking power across the other side of the Atlantic uh, will one day, um, its vast productive capacities, will one day decide pretty much everything. And therefore, uh, the creation of a sphere of influence in Europe, an economic sphere of influence, that can be uh, largely plundered for the benefit of Germany is the uh, only viable, uh, viable solution to this problem. But in many ways, autarky and um, a creation of an economic bloc, uh, a Middle Europa economic bloc, were nationalist ideas as opposed to meaningful uh, economic ones. Um, there are all sorts of things in the writings of Friedrich List, for example, the kind of the father of uh, German e- economics in the 19th century, uh, 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 that kind of mirror this. When the economic area, uh, the Zollverein, was created in the 1830s, uh, which allowed, gave Prussia immense uh, economic hegemony uh, over uh, large parts of the uh, German Confederation, uh, they, uh, by creating a free trade area um, and the dissolving of internal tariff barriers, one of the reasons why this happens, according to List, is that uh, the the British Empire is such an effective um, free trading uh, institution, uh, pouring its manufactured goods into Europe, that Germany has the choice of either becoming an economic power within a free trade area itself or becoming an economic colony of England, as he put it. And it was even the Bruning and the von Papen governments um, who advocated the creation of Mitteleuropa uh, from 1930 onwards. And that shows that after 1930, um, with the uh, appointment of Bruning as Chancellor, that long before Hitler, a uh, decidedly more authoritarian and nationalist tone um, began to seep into the Weimar Reich Chancelleries. Greater state intervention was another aspect of the reformers' uh, point of view. Um, there is a, a lively debate that goes on that suggests that uh, Hitler was some kind of Keynesian uh, demand management uh, type uh, economist, and really I don't think that that's, there's any, any truth in that at all. Firstly, the idea that Hitler understood economics is, is fairly laughable. 
Um, but also, um, Hitler's preoccupations, Hitler had no interest and no knowledge of Keynes, and there's not a lot of evidence that Yalmar Schacht or anybody else in the Nazi regime was particularly following Keynesian ideas. Um, the idea that the Nazis were reflating the economy by demand management, by government spending um, to uh, do public works projects in order to how give workers money to spend is rather punctured by um, the research done by Richard J. Evans in the Third Reich in Power when he points out how poorly paid the workers and autobahns actually were. There was Hitler was more interested in getting unemployed men back to work because he thought that it would in some way shape and forge their character as uh, German uh, proletarians, as German workers, um, who would um, then be in some ways uh, transformed into um, men who toiled for the nation in the national interest and were also subsequently hardened for um, the struggle ahead for war. Hitler saw work as ideological, not economic. This isn't to say that there weren't German uh, economists who uh, didn't favour state intervention, and state intervention does indeed occur. However, if the, this state intervention fails to follow the basic principles that Keynes put forward and inject money, uh, considerable amounts of money, into the economy, the only time at which this uh, occurs is during the period of rearmament, and there you do have... Um, German workers with large sums of money uh, coming to them from overtime, and but yet again there is a, another problem with that because the the um, uh, capacity of the economy doesn't expand. There aren't new shops, factories, and uh, those kinds of things to cater for a um, consumer market. When workers have money then they, um, they find there is little to spend it on. The war industries began to consume large amounts of resources, so there's you know, less stuff in the shops. And there are fewer um, uh, luxury consumer items or not attractive consumer items for workers to buy, and therefore purchasing from abroad leaves a outflow of cash and, and ultimately eventually gold from Germany just at the time that he was trying to stockpile it in order to help finance his future war. So the reformists and the um, autarchist uh, e uh, economists attempted to gain influence through the Nazi party um, the party in 1932 was uh, looking out for ideas um, that could address the economic crisis. And yet, because within the party there is little um, original economic thinking itself, their ability to discern between useful and useless economic ideas is, is patchy, to say the least. And Hitler, of course is less interested in economic priorities than racial ones and is more interested in notions that would further the, uh, his goals of uh, conquest of the uh, East and the creation of a Reich from Berlin to the Urals. Um, and the idea that, that 
is that dovetails between his racial and economic uh, ideas is that of Lebensraum, of resolving Germany's ongoing economic problems by simply seizing territory. If you take millions of hectares of land and kill all the people on that land, then the amount of resources available to the Ger- to Germans dramatically increases. And this ultimately is how Hitler intended to square the circle. Simply put, Hitler's economic policy was genocide. Hitler saw economics as something subordinate to politics um, and saw it as um, a function of economic policies, policy basically to provide material resources for uh, political and military leadership. If economics couldn't provide him with battleships, what was the point? Um, and it was uh, the uh, means by which he could uh, be provided with resources to conquer and seize territory, um, which would then uh, create uh, the next generation of the Aryan race. So when I've argued in the past that um, Hitler uh, had little economic policy, but he had a racial policy, this is kind of what, what I'm getting at. Now, um, Noakes and Pridham, in their brilliant book, Nazism, a documentary reader, 1919-45, volume 2, State, Economy and Society, um, they present a, uh, resource, a source from one of the reformers, Heinrich Drager, um, and he published a pamphlet in 1932 called Work Creation and the Productive Creation of Credit. Um, and this was published in the uh, Nazi series, the National Socialist Library, on the 10th of May, 1932. And Gregor who was at that point the party's organisational uh, chief, um, used it to make a speech in the Reichstag, um, which was later published with the title Work and Bread. Um, and it, you, it drew from uh, Drager's pamphlet. Uh, and in it, Strasser said... This great anti-capitalist longing, as I call it, which is going through our nation and which has gripped perhaps as many as 95% of our people, is interesting and valuable. It by no means represents the rejection of property, which is morally justified, because it has been produced through work and saving. Above all, it has nothing to do with the senseless, unsuccessful and destructive tendencies of the international, by which he means uh, socialism, it is rather the protest of the productive sections of the nation against a degenerate theory of economics, and it demands from the state that in order to secure its own right to live, it must break with the demons of gold, the world economy, materialism, um, with this exclusive preoccupation with export statistics and the Reichsbank rate, and re-establish a situation in which honest labour receives an honest reward. This great anti-capitalist longing is proof of the fact that we are on the threshold of a great and tremendous new epoch, the overcoming of liberalism and the emergence of a new kind of economic thinking and a new attitude to the state. Now this was a a very crude appeal to the Nazi base who thought in quite simplistic economic terms uh, about um, the relationship between labour and wages. Um, and would talk in beer kellers and bars about why it is, well, why does the um, labouring man 
not receive an honest wage for uh, an honest day's work? And these are these are questions, obviously, that people have uh, the world over. And these are there are uh, unfortunately uh, answers um, to those questions, which are uh, have ever greater levels of, of complexity and normally revolve around kind of exploitation uh, and the uh, the needs of capital to create surplus labour value and that sort of stuff. The um, way that the Nazis were trying to um, present themselves as economic thinkers, um, they, were, they were saying, well, this business, this socialism business, um, if you ignore the fact, if you ignore ideas about private property and you know rent capitalism and all these kinds of things they're they're all fine by the way um it's really not that that's ever been the problem it is these kind of liberal and international notions of capitalism of um as it puts it uh, demons of gold the world economy materialism and exclusive preoccupation with the export statistics and the reichsbank Bankers, banking, finance, international trade, and globalism, uh, these are the real demons. And, you know, you, there's, it's easy if you're a Nazi to conflate that with the Jews. Um, and therefore, if we get rid of all that and create a kind of a more nationalist-based economy where uh, German workers are put for, forth and uh, German uh, view, German sort of needs are, are prioritised, uh, so mystically and magically, somehow, without much of an explanation, uh, the German working class and the lower middle class will see a return in their fortunes, an improvement in their, their fortunes. Uh, and this was obviously a big sell during the um, early 1930s with 6 million unemployed. Anyway, I'm going to finish there, um, and I hope you find that useful. And um, we'll look some uh, look at Nazi economics in greater depth in the next podcasts to come. Thanks and all the best. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.